hope, maybe even for us. We need a lot more people raising a ruckus, start making a fuss, start giving up. And get out into the streets and there may be hope. Hello, you're listening to KUBU, Low Power FM Radio in Sacramento. This is The Voice, The Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUB locally at 96.5 on your FM dial, or you can also listen to the station on the internet at accesssacramento.org. This program is The Climate Report, and I'm your host, Dale Steele. We're on weekly at this day and time. The program is brought to you by 350 Sacramento, a local climate action group inspired by 350.org. I'll be your host, and each program will provide you with local, regional, and national news about climate change, as well as local calendar events, interviews, and more. For more details, including past radio programs, or if you have questions or comments, please visit 350sacramento.org. Happy Halloween, but sad condolences to all of us who continue to be hurt by senseless acts of violence. These are certainly scary times we live in, especially if we are young or have children. We need to live our lives fully without fear and look out for each other. Today, we'll learn more about our Children's Trust lawsuit against the federal government for not addressing climate change. A recent TED Talk by one of the young plaintiffs, 18-year-old Aji Piper, explains why the lawsuit is important and offers much hope. Meanwhile, Want to make things better? Get out and vote. No excuses or complaints. Step up. Do your part. Music today? Vote em Out by Willie Nelson. Paint the Future by the Peace Poets and Thrive Choir. And finally, Gasoline, Gasoline, The World's Aflame by Coltura and others. A free screening of the film Catching the Sun, which documents the race to a clean energy future, will be shown on Thursday, November 1st at 6 p.m. McClatchy High School Auditorium, 3066 Freeport Boulevard. The film is sponsored by 350 Sacramento and the Environmental Student Organization at Sac State. Don't miss it. And now, find some shelter and get ready. It's time for the Climate Report. spring on y'all tonight. Take it home where you spread it around. If you don't like who's in there, vote them out. That's what election day is all about. And the biggest gun we got is called the ballot box. If you don't like who's in there, vote them out. Vote them out. Vote them out. When they're gone, we'll sing and dance and shout. And she'll bring some new ones in, and they will start the show again. And if you don't like who's in there, vote them out. a bunch of clowns you voted in election day is coming around again and if you don't like it now you can change it anyhow 
And if you don't like who's in there, vote them out. Vote them out. Sing and dance and shout. We'll start the show again and bring some new ones in. And if you don't like who's in there, vote them out. Vote them out. Vote them out. And when we're done, we'll sing and dance and shout. And we'll bring some new ones in and we'll start the show again. But if you don't like who's in there, vote them out. And if you don't like who's in there, vote them out. Thank you, Austin. Thank you, Texas. Thank you, Beto. All the way, buddy. We love y'all. Thank you. Vote them out by Willie Nelson. Would you be willing to change places with me? In life, I mean. I'm 17, fit, have my whole life ahead of me. I'm a super fast reader. I'm crazy about vanilla bean ice cream. I recently fell in love with snowboarding. I play a little ukulele and I sing. All the usual stuff. Oh, and I sued the Washington state government for a cleaner climate and won. (laughs) On the downside, however, I'm a little disorganized. I don't clean my room as much as I should. My mom says I worry too much. I can't vote, and though I sued the government, nothing's changing. So I have my whole life ahead of me, but it's filled with melting ice shelves, monster storms, and air that's not breathable. You still want to change places with me? No? Well, that's understandable. After all, who would? No one wants to be in that position. My friends and I don't want to be in that position. But because we don't really have a voice in our future, we had to take things to the next level. So seven of my peers and I sued the Washington State Department of Ecology. Granted, we made a pretty big ask, but it's a reasonable one. We asked them to guarantee a stable climate for the future, one that we can live in. It started in 2011 when we brought a petition to the doorstep of the Department of Ecology, asking them to update their emissions regulations recommendations to the Washington State Legislature based on the newest climate science. However, they blatantly denied our request, claiming, and this is my favorite part, that they were not legally obligated to use science in their recommendations. (laughs) It's ridiculous, right? So that same year, we filed a lawsuit. Our argument being that under the public trust auction, our government has a constitutionally mandated responsibility to protect those natural resources, to preserve and enhance them for future generations. If you're not familiar with the public trust auction, it's a legal principle that simply states the government has a duty to protect certain natural resources for future generations. And among those are the air, the land, the running water, the sea, and consequently the shores of the sea, that they need to hold those for posterity. Posterity is a fancy word for future generations. Um, So I'm going to roll with that for a moment. Everybody in this room, imagine that you can talk to somebody from the future, let's say 2050. And you can ask them all about how your actions now affect their lives. Get that image in your mind. Now stop. Because you don't actually have to imagine I'm standing on this stage. And it's true, I'm not from 2050, 
but I'll definitely be alive then. So technically, I'm the future. Uh, King County Superior Court Judge Hollis Hill agreed. Uh, we won our lawsuit against the Department of Ecology. She applied the public trust doctrine and counted us as part of the public. In her ruling, she said that the survival of our generation depends upon the will of our elders to stem the tide of global warming before doing so becomes first too costly and then too late. But, and there's always a but, we got a super strong ruling from our judge and nothing happened. We, we got a rule from the Department of Ecology, but it was so weak that those that don't believe in climate change would still probably approve of it. And climate change in us, we're on a head-on head collision with earth-shattering consequences. Don't use our ports as docking grounds. We don't want that in the sound. Keep that oil in the ground. There's a danger up ahead. Drilling Arctic oil means disaster for all human beings. Do us right, revoke the lease. There's a danger up ahead. There's a danger, danger up ahead. Now, I've never been uh, what some people would call a normal kid, whatever that means. <laughs> Between the ages of 7 and 10, I had a morning ritual. I woke up every morning at 6.30, I got ready for school, and then I listened to NPR while I ate my breakfast. <laughs> and listening to those NPR reporters talk about melting ice caps and disappearing polar bears was sad but it was so far removed from me that I never felt I could do anything about it. And that feeling actually changed when I moved to Seattle um, in the spring of 2011. And I got involved with a group, that, a youth-led group, that plants trees to try and mitigate the effects of global warming. I went to one of their day-long workshops that they call academies, and there I learned about the effects of climate change on everything, not just the polar bears. And being there with all those kids that were all in the same place to do something about climate change left me feeling inspired. And planting trees became my first step into activism. But my future is at stake, and I knew that. I knew planting trees wasn't enough. I felt like I needed to take stronger action, but I was stuck. I didn't really know where to start, and I, I needed something to kind of give me that jump start. That came when I was asked to write and give a speech at a protest against exploding trains coming through Seattle. We call them exploding trains because they literally explode. In case you didn't know, uh, oil trains carry about 30,000 gallons of crude oil every 77 seconds in the U.S. That's 39 million gallons a year. And the oil is volatile. Under the right conditions, it explodes. To this day, they pass under downtown Seattle. And speeches were not my forte. I'd never given a speech, and I had literally touched an ukulele three days before I was asked to give the speech. Um, and, and I decided to write a song. It's a simple song. Mind you, I was 12 at the time. And, um, yeah. 
Please don't send exploding trains through our cities. We don't think that people dying is pretty. Think about the future generations. Think about the lives that live. Think about your children's 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 children. Think about your children's 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 children. You're listening to KUBU, Low Power FM Radio in Sacramento. This is The Voice, The Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUB locally at 96.5 on your FM dial, or you can also listen to the station on the internet, accesssacramento.org. This program is The Climate Report, and I'm your host, Dale Steele. Today, we'll learn more about our Children's Trust lawsuit against the federal government for not addressing climate change. A recent TED Talk by one of the young plaintiffs, 18-year-old Aji Piper, explains why the lawsuit is important and offers much hope. The warnings of impending doom aren't always as obvious as an exploding train. Sometimes they're really small and easily overlooked. A temperature change of only a few degrees in ocean water is enough to upset the balance of the whole world's ecosystem. A nice example of this is coastal grizzlies from northern Washington up to Alaska. You usually see like some stock photographs of them with these huge salmon in their mouth that they just caught like fresh from the river or something. And that's pretty great, but recently we've seen those same grizzly bears catching Humboldt squid. Yeah, squid in Alaska. And the problem with this, it may not seem like a big one at first, is that when grizzlies catch salmon and then they take them inland and eat them and they don't finish all of the salmon, they leave their leftovers there, um, it feeds other small scavenger animals and then decomposes and feeds the soil and the forest. And, and the reason it can do that is because fam- salmon have really fatty, rich fatty nutrient reserves. But the squid don't have that same kind of nutrient-rich fatty reserve. So the soil isn't as fed and other animals aren't as fed. The problem with this is that over time, eventually with more and more nutrients leaking out of the soil, and especially with the rest of climate change going on, the forests being taxed, um, your forests start to die. You lose your habitat, you lose your small prey animals and predators, so on and so forth. Our atmosphere is kind of in the same situation. Our temperature is at a one-degree average of warming above what it was before the Industrial Revolution, approximately. And uh, our atmospheric carbon levels are about 410 parts per million. You don't have to worry if you don't know what that means. Just know that the number is far too high. And the small effect part comes when we start talking about our tipping points. Um, You know, at about two degrees is what scientists call a tipping point, where we really can't go back. So one more tiny degree. And the thing is that without any regulation, we're definitely on track to hit that number by 50-50. 2050. 50-50. What am I thinking? (laughs) Definitely by 50-50, everyone. (laughs) I won't be alive then. Like I said we'll be on track to hit that number by 2050, causing irreversible climate damage. Things like the total uh, 
thawing of permafrost, causing erosion in the land, destruction of the um, tundra, and further warming of the planet. Uh, or the, because of the increased heat in the atmosphere, the loss of our glaciers and snowpack, meaning you'll get increased flooding in the winters, but drought in the summers. And it poses a threat to human lives. I'm not an activist because I have a passion for standing in front of official buildings and shouting for change. I'm an activist because I recognize the danger to the air I breathe, the water I drink, and the land that grows the food which I eat. When I started this work, I thought it was about saving the planet. And what I've realized is it's really about saving us. The idea is that I'm not fighting against climate change, I'm fighting for human change. The ability of our species to change places with another, see their plight, hear their voice, adapt and make better choices. I think, I believe that we need to change our ideas of home to kind of get out of the boxes we call houses and into the real world. When we step outside, we need to see each other and remember who the future is for. Because right now, we seem to have forgotten. My generation is not heard in a political sense. And because of that, I'm willing to use the courts to amplify my voice. In 2015, I filed the lawsuit against the federal government with 20 other youth from around the country. It's very similar to the state lawsuit, but it's much bigger and there's a key difference. In the state lawsuit, we were asking the court to affirm that the public trust doctrine existed at all and that the government did have an obligation to protect our rights. Because we got that affirmation, we're able to step up our argument in federal court. Now we're arguing that the federal government has known about climate change for over 50 years. And they've known about the dangers that fossil fuel use and the destruction climate change would bring. But they've acted against that information. In doing so, they violated our rights, the public trust. So the first thing that happened when we filed this lawsuit was the motion to dismiss. The government claiming that just because of the public trust auction wasn't enough to bring a lawsuit and we didn't have standing. And our judge, Thomas Coffin, disagreed. He recommended that we go on to trial. Then there was the appeal to the motion to dismiss and also denied our judge, Anne Aiken. She said in her ruling, exercising my reasoned judgment, I have no doubt that the right to a climate system capable of sustaining human life is fundamental to a free and ordered society. I agree. I agree. Now, that leaves us with two questions. What if we win? Well, if we win, that day that a ruling is handed down from the courts, it'll create a feeling of relief and hope that is palpable. You'll literally feel it, like, emanating off of me. And the reason for that is that I will finally have been heard, and my generation will have been heard, and that, and that change will start to happen. But I want to remind everyone here that the battle for change at that point is not going to be easy. It's still going to be hard, because we've waited too long without action. And the second question is, what if we lose? I don't believe that a single person in here, not for a minute, I don't believe, that anybody here wants us to lose. And I know that it's hard to agree on policy, 
implementation, regulations, all of that stuff. But you can't turn a blind eye to the future anymore. Like I said, I'm standing on this stage. You don't have to change places with me. Just hear my voice. Support it and believe it. Thank you. and Thrive Choir. Gasoline, gasoline, you're driving me insane. 
children are crying. Around the world, countries are racing to phase out gasoline cars. Gotta go quick, electric. Change the way we move around. Gotta go quick, electric. Change the way we move around. I got a new love, an electric flame. With free city charging and VIP parking. Zooming past you in the HOV lane. I'm clean and green and my love is sparking. Gasoline, gasoline, I got a new dream. Gasoline, gasoline, I'm going green. Gasoline, gasoline, I found someone new. Gasoline, Gasoline, The World's Aflame by Coltura and others. Don't forget to check out my other radio program on KUBU, Making Tracks, focusing on wildlife, nature, and environmental issues every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m., right after the Climate Report. And be sure to tune in Tuesdays at 1 p.m. for Radio EcoShock and the latest on science, issues, and authors dealing with climate change and the environment on a global scale. Hosted and produced by Alex Smith. Don't miss it. You're listening to KUBU, Low Power FM Radio in Sacramento. This is The Voice, The Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUB locally at 96.5 on your FM dial, or you can also listen to the station on the internet, accesssacramento.org. This program is The Climate Report, and I'm your host, Dale Steele, drawn weekly at this day and time. This program is brought to you by 350 Sacramento, a local climate action group inspired by 350.org. I'll be your host, and each program will provide you with local, regional, and national news about climate change, as well as local calendar events, interviews, and more. For more details, including past radio programs, or if you have questions or comments, please visit 350sacramento.org. There may be hope, maybe even for us. We need a lot more people raising the ruckus, start making a fuss, start giving up. Get out into the streets and there may be hope.